I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, everybody. Hey. How you doing? Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. And we are very excited to have you. Always. Yeah. I uh, hope everybody's having a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, hope you're living life to the fullest. I hope, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what to hope for you. Um, yeah, whatever you are hoping for this week, I hope it comes true. Yeah. I hope that your hopes are realized. Right. <laughs> Unless they're not the right thing for you in the long run. And yeah. The universe knows that somehow. And so it's putting pieces <laughs> together for you. Like, let it happen. What's going on with you? What's going on with me? Yeah. Nothing. You know, this show. I know. It's just <laughs> nice to ask. This show and the Fringe Festival. And that's it. Yeah. Atlanta Fringe Festival coming yeah. along. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's coming. It's in. It'll be in May. It'll be in May. So, how many shows? 20. 20 shows in how many venues? Five. Five venues in how many days? In, uh, well, four days. Four days. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. Plus a, a couple other, sh like, ancillary events. Yeah, 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 So of it's seven days 
Kind of. I know, because you can't stop adding work for yourself. I know, but it's... It's for them. It's for the artist. <laughs> it's for the art. Right. It, it is an awesome event, and we're all very thanks. glad that you do it. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah. Um, and if you're in Atlanta anytime in May, don't forget to check out the Fringe Festival, because it's yes, dope. It's awesome. Cool, cool shows this year. We're really excited about our yes. lineup. Yes. I was not drawn, me and, me and my theater company... That's true. Uh, Sorry. Was not drawn. Uh, so uh, that just goes to show you how much nepotism there is, uh, which is none. <laughs> and all all the perks I get are zero. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I appreciate Very your integrity. Very few perks. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, but that's not the only place that you can check out our work other than this show. Right. Uh, next week... We'll be very excited to hear that we're going to be on Ridiculous History yeah. with Ben and Noel again. Yeah. I'm so yes. excited. These guys are the best. Love hanging out with them. Yeah. I mean, not only are they the OGs in okay. the Ridiculous world and yeah. just podcasting in general, they're kings. Godlike figures. But they're great people. We love them. Yeah. And we love to spend time with them. And totally. usually we have to make work uh, the time that we spend with them because mm-hmm. we're both, well, the four of us are always working. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm excited to just get to hang out with them. And you all can listen to what we come up with. Yeah. We're actually going to be talking about Valentine's Day. Yeah. And all the many weird history things around <laughs> Valentine's Day that are yes. to be found. So definitely check that out. I know I've, I know a few of you out there have, have asked us for a Valentine's Day or an anti-Valentine's Day yep. story, maybe. Um, yep. But yeah, we saved it for history. We're going to do it with our, our own other couple Yes. Our couple friend. <laughs> ben and Nolia. Uh, yeah, Valentine's Day, it comes and goes for us, you know, and it's not one that we focus on a lot That's true. ourselves. We don't do nothing usually, but I haven't thought about it this year at all. No, I was like, we maybe could go see Dua Lipa on Saturday. Oh, man, Dua Lipa's coming? Yes. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll, 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 we'll see what happens. But we might have to work. Yeah, so. we might be working. <laughs> That's the thing. We gotta remember the Lucases now. Work kills romance. It's true. <laughs> you gotta take the time <laughs> to go to Dua Lipa together. <laughs> Keep things fresh. Speaking of fresh, yeah. Also, uh, coming up, you've heard probably right. next week, Ridiculous Crime. Yes. The all new Ridiculous Show. So exciting. Zarin and Elizabeth are the hosts, and they're amazing. And this show is gonna be so cool. Yeah. I love that it's decidedly not about murdered women yeah, you know like totally. there's there's enough of those podcasts right and they're kind of grim I mean, it's, it's harder to be funny without being kind of a jerk right in the process right so it's smart to be like you know what how about people who stole some crazy weird shit or something yeah. like that's way funnier <laughs> i am ready to laugh at that <laughs> <laughs> so keep your ears open for ridiculous crimes starting on the 15th yes they're gonna be awesome yeah, you have a lot of ridiculous that day because we'll be on ridiculous history. That's right, and you'll have ridiculous crime. So you can have a whole week. ridiculous day. Yes, big day of ridiculous stuff. <laughs> and then you'd have your ridiculous hangover with us on Wednesday. Perfect. With our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes, little hair of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, but speaking of ridiculous, boy, have we got one for you today? Oh my god. Y'all, y'all probably have heard of the band. The Rolling Stones. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, if you're savvy <laughs> <laughs> about music. Right. For all those music snobs out there, mm-hmm. you've probably heard of the little known band, The Rolling Stones. You've heard of Mick Jagger. You've heard of Keith Richards. You might not have heard of Bill Wyman. 
Now, Bill Wyman was the good boy of the Rolling Stones. He wasn't into all the drugs and alcohol as much, and friends said that if he hadn't been a musician, he would have been a librarian. So while Keith Richards and Mick Jagger were flooding the headlines with their various substance abuse problems and huge bouts of infighting in the band, no one ever expected Bill to take the spotlight. But after the band grew older and Jagger and Richards started to kind of fade from the tabloids a bit, Bill found himself in the spotlight over his relationship with a much, 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 much younger girl. And while their age gap might have been the biggest controversy, it's not even the craziest part of their story. So, Ooh, I'm already heated up. Ooh, this is a good one. Let's do this. All fired up about. I like how you're punching the air. Yes. <laughs> so let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A love might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in our show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. William George Perks was born in 1936 and grew up on the rough and tumble streets of Penge, which is a neighborhood in southeast London. Now, this might have been a tough neighborhood, but quite a few notable figures have come out of Penge, like, for example, Thomas Crapper, the guy who invented the U-bend pipe in modern toilets. Very important invention. Very apropos also, a bit of J.K. Rowling-style naming (laughs) going on here. Yes, of course. (laughs) Meant to be. (laughs) Also out of Penge, British Prime Minister Boner Law, who is most known for being named Boner Law, (laughs) which is a pretty incredible name for a politician. I wonder if he put out any Boner Laws. (laughs) Yes, probably. (laughs) Laws... uh, regulating your boners, but that also failed miserably. It's like boners, boner, boner law, boners. Boner law, bones, boner laws. (laughs) Boner laws, boner law, a huge boner. What a guy. Now, Wyman took piano lessons as a child, and he played organ alongside his father, who was a brick maker. So he grew up with a keen interest in music. But their family didn't have a lot of money, and when he was 17, he had to leave school early to take a job working for a bookie to help support his family. And then at 19 years old in 1955, he joined the British Royal Air Force and was posted in Germany. This was right at the end of West Germany's occupation by British, French, and American forces, and they became the sovereign state of the Federal Republic of Germany. So things were kind of lax. Soldiers were just chilling, waiting to be sent home. They're trying not to go crazy. So one night, Bill clicked over his radio to the American Armed Forces radio station. And then he heard it. Howdy, troops. Uncle Sam is proud of you for defending freedom. Without your sacrifice, those East German commies would march in here, steal our apple pies and Coca-Cola, and replace them with sauerkraut, schnitzel, rolls, and mustard juice. Here's a little treat from back home to remind you what you're fighting for. Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, Big Joe Turner, Elvis Presley, Big Mama Thornton, Buddy Holly. Bill's mind was blown by what he was hearing. 
rock and roll music. Although I got it kind of makes me wonder, Speculation Station, what the British Armed Forces radio station was playing that made him switch over, right? Like, Cheerio, chaps. Jolly good show over there, giving those worst-eating buggers a what for? The Queen is utterly chuffed with your sportsmanship. As a reward, here's a smashing good reading by Winston Churchill of some of England's most crackerjack literature. Mrs. Galloway said she would buy the flowers herself. Ah! <laughs> Change the channel right away! <laughs> There's got to be something else on besides this. <laughs> anyway, so Bill switches over to the American radio stations. He hears rock and roll music, and he is hooked. When he was discharged from the army, he picked up odd jobs to pay the bills while he honed his music skills. He picked up a few instruments, but when his fingers first picked the strings on a bass guitar, he knew this was for him. Mm, like to get in the groove. Yes. I play wow. the mouth bass. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Wow, that lick was pretty hot. I'll tell you, some of my favorite music parts are bass, but you gotta you gotta find them, right? Like they're mm-hmm. they're supposed to be kind of hidden in the, but like um. I want you back oh, is the best bass line so in the good. world. We were talking about this because of Rock Band. Yeah. The game Rock Band. I miss Rock loved, Band. Loved Rock Band. What the hell it was happened? like my favorite party experience was Ugh. when we would all play Rock Band and everyone yes. would be singing and running around, acting foolish. <laughs> the drums were so fun and the bass was so oh fun. Oh my God, yes. Like Beatles Rock Band. Yeah. Get some of those McCartney grooves going and you just like get lost <sighs> in it. Well, plus, you know, it's just buttons, but like you could kind of groove on a bass line. Yeah. Like you couldn't do really with the guitar as right. much. So you could kind of feel like super cool. Like yeah, you were totally. doing something. <laughs> Love it. You weren't. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> In the late 50s, rock and roll was starting to seep into British culture. Tommy Steele, the British Elvis, was starting to take off. Johnny Kidd and the Pirates were writing their first songs. And a 15-year-old kid named Paul McCartney went to a church garden party where he heard the band The Quarrymen and introduced himself to their frontman, John Lennon. Everyone was turning their ears to this stonking new trend, British rock and roll. Yeah! (laughs) Donking. <laughs> I love <laughs> That's that. That's a great word. So Bill Perks started picking up gigs as a bassist around town, and he started to develop a bit of a reputation. He was pretty good. He was a hot commodity, and he started getting gigs a lot easier more and more. And of course, as was the case with rock musicians and still is today, the ladies started lining up too. Mm-hmm. But in 1959, there was only one girl for him, Diane Corey. Now, they only dated briefly before getting married later that year. There's very little information about Diane, but their early years seem to be full of excitement and probably, speculation station here, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. (laughs) Things were going great for Bill, but stability was still a challenge. His band, The Cliftons, was working steadily but not taking off. Then, in 1962, all that changed when his friend and the drummer for The Cliftons, Tony Chapman, told him about an audition. Tony had played a few shows with these kids who seemed like they were the next big thing and they were looking for a bassist to join the band. They had been playing mostly Chicago-style blues music, though some members were pushing for more in the style of, like, black American rock and roll music from Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley. Their frontman, Brian Jones, was doing a phone interview with Jazz News and was asked for the band's name, but they hadn't really decided on one yet. 
So he looked around him and he saw an LP on the floor by Muddy Waters and he just read the title track out loud as his answer. Rolling Stone. <laughs> I love this. This uh, freaking usual suspects. Right, yeah. <laughs> model. He's like, uh, K- Kobayashi. <laughs> oh, you guys have got a great sound. What's your band's name? Uh, I, I, it's, uh, um, uh, water glass, uh, <laughs> toilet paper. Uh, no, uh, it, it's, uh, it's curtain. It's, um, it's window panes and, oh, fuck it. Uh, Rolling Stone. It's, yeah, that works. <laughs> it's, uh, made in China. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> So Bill went and auditioned for these guys, and he blew them all away. At the time, the band members were Bill Jones, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Charlie Watts. And Mick Jagger heard Bill play, and he was like, Yes! Very good! Congratulations! You're in the band! I like it! And then Speculation Station, he strutted around like a chicken. I mean, I think we can probably safely say that. (laughs) Outside Speculation Station. So Bill Perks was officially a Rolling Stone. Now, maybe he wanted to distance himself from his past poverty, which he said left him scarred. Mm -hmm. So Bill decided to create a new persona, someone who could be rich and famous, not some poor kid from Penge. So he took the name Bill Wyman. And this was in honor of a friend, Lee Wyman, with whom he'd served in the Royal Air Force. Mm. He wrote in, Bill wrote in his autobiography, Stone Alone, quote, The name always impressed me. It sounded more raunchy than Bill Perks, and since Brian Jones was calling himself Elmo Lewis, I decided there and then that I wouldn't carry on being Bill Perks as a musician in a pop group. Elmo Lewis? Hey, Elmo Lewis, famous rock star. Hey, everyone, I'm Elmo Lewis. (laughs) That one didn't stick. And I'm here to rock your world, ladies. (laughs) Why don't you come up on stage and tickle me, Elmo? (laughs) Elmo wants to spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is our latest song. It's called ABC. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, ready? One, two. What comes next? <laughs> three. <laughs> That's right. Very good. <laughs> you know, Elmo would actually hate the Rolling Stones because he hates. He hates pet rocks. <laughs> he does hate stones. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it would never work out. This isn't music. <laughs> so anyway, that is how Bill Wyman ended up as the bassist for the Rolling Stones, because Elmo from Sesame Street was not available. <laughs> and things were going great. He was in a hot band that was destined to take off. He had a beautiful wife. And that same year, they had a son named Stephen. So how did it all go wrong and land him in an episode of Ridiculous Romance? (laughs) We'll find out right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And welcome back to the show. Now, there are more musically informed people out there who can give you the full history of the Rolling Stones band. Right, right. Head on down to your local Urban Outfitters. There's probably a coffee table book with like a full photographic <laughs> history of their times from 1962 <laughs> right, onwards. Yeah. And there's like 100 pictures of Mick Jagger's bulge or something. Right, yeah. yeah. And you can get that We've for all seen the book. Right. But you know what rock band life was like. Mm -hmm. And like we said, there's not a ton of information about his first wife, Diane Corey, but as the band helped lead the British invasion of the mid-1960s, there was clearly a wedge driven between them, and they separated in 1967. They divorced two years later in 1969, and Bill was given custody of their child, Steve. Diane wrote in an article published in the Daily Express, quote, I left Bill because I am not prepared to share him with anybody, let alone thousands of strange women. I blame the Stones fans for breaking up our marriage. They made the success of the Stones possible, but they also made it impossible for us to live a normal, happy life. I don't know where in England she's from. <laughs> well, that sounds like you decided. <laughs> but let's pretend it's from wherever that accent Wherever that makes accent makes the most I don't know, sense. Manchester? Who knows? <laughs> she said they were constantly hounded by fans. He had women crawling all over him. And Bill became quiet and withdrawn. We've heard this one before. Sure, sure. 
So Diane moved to South Africa and pretty much was never heard from again. She sort of was like, okay, dust her hands off. Goodbye. Now, Bill said in an interview, quote, I wasn't quite the same sort of person as the rest of the Stones. I'm giving him like a Mick Jagger voice, but I do not know if that's his accent. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, he's very gruff. (laughs) He said, "I wasn't quite the same sort of person as the rest of the Stones. I was a straight working class type, and I thought they were a bunch of layabouts, but very dedicated to their music. That I could appreciate, but I couldn't appreciate the way they lived." Mm. He said, "Being in the band was a bit vicious." And that there would be stretches of time where he was sort of the butt of all these in-jokes amongst the other band members, sometimes for years at a time. Mm. But then the focus would shift, and suddenly Brian would be the one nobody liked, and life would get better for Bill. So he said it felt more like a cult than a group of friends. The music belonged to Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, and Bill eventually gave up on making suggestions during their writing sessions. Bill put out his first solo album in 1974 called Monkey Grip and actually received great reviews. Bill continued to play with the Stones and also composed the score for the films Phenomena and Terror at the Opera, both by Italian director Dario Argento. Mm. So he was staying busy. He's in a successful band, even though he didn't have the creative power that he wanted in his main gig. He was still getting plenty of success with his personal creative endeavors on the side. That's great. I mean, what um, you can't ask for better than that. That's pretty good. Right? You're making a shit ton of money because mm-hmm. you're part of the Rolling Stones. And it's like, People okay, this you. is Mick and Keith's thing. I'm not sure. telling them what to do, but whatever. I've got, I had a successful solo album. I'm scoring movies. Like, that's awesome. I'm doing good shit. That yeah. sounds so cool. So now that we've built up your opinion of Bill, um, <laughs> love escaped him. Mm. It was the mid 80s and Bill had been divorced for over a decade. It's suggested in various biographies that Bill has slept with over a thousand women in his life, but he never could find that special someone to settle down with. He himself suggested that his addiction was sex, because unlike other band members, he wasn't really a drug addict or an alcoholic. But then in 1984, he was at a party after the Daily Mirror British Rock Awards at the Lyceum Theatre in London. And as he sat and he hung out with his friend Julian Temple, who you may remember from our Sid and Nancy episode as the British documentarian and music video director who worked with the Sex Pistols. Mm -hmm. Um, Side note, he's also the father of actress Juno Temple from Ted Lasso. (gasps) Keely. She's awesome. She's great. They sat together, Bill and Julian, and they watched all these young people rocking out on the dance floor. Now, Bill at this point was 48, two years away from his 50th birthday, but... He was always surrounded by this kind of energy, so this felt right at home for him. Then two girls left the dance floor, who he assumed were friends or maybe even twin sisters. He wrote that one of these girls, quote, took my breath away. I felt like I'd been whacked over the head with a hammer. He turned to Julian and said, I've got to meet that girl. Can you go and invite them over? And Julian was like, right, mate, I got you. And the other one of the two girls came over, so Bill started to ask about her friends. They were sisters, but not twins. Okay. This girl informed him that she was two years older than her younger sister, Mandy. Okay. Bill said, well, you must be about 20. And the girl answered, Mm no, I'm 15. What? (laughs) But that means Mandy is... Do the math. Uh, okay, yes. I got a calculator here. Carry the and, one. Um, 13. Oh, my God. 
Now, at this point, you would think any sane 48-year-old human being, and probably even many of the insane ones, <laughs> would quickly say, whoops, and pretend this whole thing never happened. Right. I'm sorry, you said 13? 13? Uh, oh. oh, I, w- I wasn't talking to you. I was looking at this. Uh, if, I'm sorry, I have to go uh, make an excuse. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill... Oh, no. ...is built different. <laughs> <laughs> He said he was, quote, totally besotted with Mandy from the moment I saw her. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you can't blame a guy for being besotted. Besotted, of course. I mean, come on, it's like, terribly sorry, Your Honor. I throw myself on the mercy of the court. You see, I was besotted. Besotted? My goodness, man. Well, we can hardly fault you for that. Please, carry on with the itty-bitty child you're crushing on, by all means. Goodness. Besotted. Case dismissed. (laughs) In my (laughs) defense, I really wanted to. Well, that's good enough for me, a judge of the courts. Good day to you, sir. Here's your knighthood. Oh, God. Ah! (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, Bill finds out that these two, this these fifteen and thirteen year old girls want to get into modeling. Uh oh. And so Bill thinks, well, great. Here's an advantage I have over their developing minds. He says, I know the owners of Models One Agency in London, and said, quote, "Give me your number, and I'll give you a ring with some details." Mm-mm. So right there, there's some trickery happening already. Trickery. Now, you might think Bill is acting outrageous here, but don't worry. He put a lot of thought into what he was doing. He did recognize that these girls were way too young and said, quote, I was playing it cool and knowing her age, I wanted to be careful and particularly open from the start with her mother. So, you know, well, they were I knew they were young, so I decided to be extra careful and go talk to their mother about dating them first. Right, I get the mom on my side, oh and my then God. I'm home free. So a couple days later, he drives over to their house with flowers and chocolates and had a lovely evening. When he asked her mother, Patsy, if he could take her out to dinner, Bill says that Patsy told him, oh, Mandy's been going to the clubs and pubs for over a year, so that's no big deal. Bill kissed Mandy for the first time that night, saying, quote, she was a woman at 13, and she certainly looked like the 20-year-old I had originally believed her to have been. Bill, I don't care if she had the goddamn Benjamin Button disease (laughs) and she looked 70 years old. It is not okay. It doesn't matter how old she looks. Irrelevant. Jeez, Bill. Bill said. Oh, please. I can't wait to hear what Bill said. I I would love to share more about what (laughs) Bill said. Tell me what else Bill said. (laughs) You know, it makes you happy he didn't become a librarian. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Doesn't it? (laughs) It's true. I mean, you never know. A lot of young girls look up to their librarians. (laughs) I don't know if he would have wielded quite the same influence, but... No, that's true. He said he could get me a first edition. (laughs) Oh, my, Mandy. Well, you better go for it. Oh, no. She's been going to book clubs for years. So what did Bill say? Bill said, quote, It wasn't from lust or anything like that, which people are seeing it as. It was from the heart. How dare you? My boner's in my heart, damn it. (laughs) 
you people are sick thinking that this is from lust because I'm 52 and want to date a 13-year-old. What's wrong with you? Disgusting. They spent the first two and a half years of their relationship keeping it a secret. Okay. And Mandy says he ha- he first had sex with her when she was 14 years old. <sighs> Bill says in his book that the challenge was that she wanted to be with him all the time, but he had to limit their public exposure together. Oh, that must have been so hard for you. Wow. That must have been really tough. Mm-hmm. It's poor. I'm sorry, my voice. I cannot manage <laughs> to make it sincere at this moment in time. He writes, quote, She understandably resented the fact that I had to be seen with other girls on my arm to divert attention. If you're dating someone and you have to tell them, look, I'm sorry, I have to be seen with other people to divert attention from me and you. I don't. That's not even that's not a red flag. I mean, that is like a. it's like you went to the moon, wrapped it in a big red sheet. And we're (laughs) like, it's the universe's biggest red flag. Run, run, run. So Mandy's resentful about Bill's totally understandable lifestyle. And so he told her that he was, in fact, serious about her. But he wanted her to have some freedom as well. Oh, sure. All the, quote, tension and uncertainty in their relationship led to a big fight on Mandy's 16th birthday. Not far from Bill's 50th birthday. By the way. They had a big old fight, and they decided to go their separate ways. Yay! Good choice. What a phenomenal idea. Great. Separate ways is great. Definitely should have always had separate ways. Right. (laughs) There should never have been a parallel way. Never should have united, no. But Bill says it was just so tough. Their separation because she just kept calling him, quote, for chats and advice about singing and modeling. And he says, quote, and I phoned her occasionally. So you raggedy bitch. (laughs) So he's like, oh, man, what am I supposed to do? She keeps calling me. Uh, Don't answer. Don't talk to her. Oh, I shouldn't have. We shouldn't be talking. You need to find someone else to help you in your career. Click. Goodbye. Block number. Never talk to you again. Hey, assistant, don't give me the call. If she calls, she needs help. Also, stop calling her. I like how he's like, it was really tough because she kept calling me and I called her. I mean, I did call her sometimes. (laughs) Come on, Bill. Why are you calling her? You have nothing to say to her. (sighs) Then on July 23rd, Bill was really taken aback when Mandy was hanging out with some friends and she didn't realize that one of them was a reporter and she just happened to casually mention her close friendship with Bill. Uh And Bill's, of course, in his book, he's like, and this was totally innocent. They totally blew it out of proportion and drew all these conclusions and journalists surrounded Mandy's vacation spot in Spain and Bill's home in Venice. And Bill wrote, quote, I decided it was my responsibility to get her out of Spain. So I arranged a quiet departure and was immediately accused of surrounding her with the Stones Mafia. Bill. I'm going to squirrel her away secretly <laughs> behind secured, like a secured location with bodyguards. Right. But why is everyone being so mean about it? <laughs> He says he thought that he never caused Mandy harm, quote, quite the reverse. The reverse. He said he always looked after Mandy and treated her honorably and encouraged her to keep her education going after she flunked out of school. And he helped her with her career. And he hadn't introduced her to alcohol and drugs. He, quote, simply wanted to be with her. I'm just like, 
you can do some of those things mm -hmm. that definitely help. You can help someone with their career. You can help a young person stay with their education. Yeah, those are great things. And you cannot sleep with them while you're doing that. It's insane. So right as all this was happening, mm -hmm. the Rolling Stones were having a falling out because Keith Richards and Mick Jagger were having a huge fight. Oh. Surely they're first and last. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Bill had some downtime. So in light of all the controversy surrounding him and Mandy being publicly outed, they decided to keep a low profile and not spend much time together. Yay! Smart. Whew. Okay. It's all set. It's awesome. all done, right? But... Just as Mick and Keith were reconciling and getting the band back together, Bill and Mandy decided the best thing for them was to reconnect as well. Oh, no. To be fair, Mandy hadn't even been sure about this reconnection. Yeah. Even Scotland Yard had investigated their relationship, although no charges were filed. Oh, my God. Which is kind of, well, I'll say, kind of a surprise to me. But Bill says later in his defense, he says, I went to Scotland Yard and offered them to interview me and they said they didn't care, which might be Bill's bullshit and might be 100 percent true. I don't know. It's, that's just what Bill said. Both mm -hmm. sound believable to me. <laughs> it might be Scotland Yard being like, yeah, you're going to tell us you didn't do anything wrong. We well, already know what you're going to say. <laughs> that's true, You're too. not a person I'm interested in talking to you. <laughs> I got no new information from yeah. you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> true. So, yeah, so Mandy's not so sure about all this. Right. But according to Entertainment Weekly, her mother, Patsy, reportedly told Mandy, quote, he's a rolling stone and he chose you. Oh, God, Mom. So she basically pushed her into yeah. accepting him. Yeah. I mean, day one, this old man shows up at the house and is like, can I date your she's daughter? And she's like, yeah, it. sure. I've Why, been letting her go to pub since she was 12. <laughs> she's out there clubbing. <laughs> if she's going to marry an older man, he might as well be a famous rock star, I always said, oh, yeah. I said. <laughs> oh, God. So... After two years of dodging the press and laying low, Bill called Mandy in 1989 and said, How do you feel about getting back together? She answered, I'd like a more serious situation. Commitment by both of us. What if we get engaged? And Bill said, Engaged? We might as well get married! And in the spring of 1990, right before a big American Rolling Stones tour, they married when Mandy was 18 and Bill was 52. Wow. Now, Bill thought the newspapers were great with these cute teasing headlines like, Old Bill and Me, or Why I'm Going to Marry My Randy Stone, or maybe my favorite, Mandy's Rolling Me Down the Aisle. <laughs> Just a bunch of silly, fun little laughs about their 34-year age difference. Bill literally wrote in his book, like, this was fun. I liked this. They were just having a laugh. It was great. But one aspect of the media, he said, really irritated him, really made this difficult. Hmm. Bill wrote, quote, we'd given them the hottest love story in years, but some writers still wouldn't stop taunting us. He was... <laughs> He was outraged that the papers dared to suggest that there was anything ethically wrong with their marriage. He wrote, quote, the Daily Mirror's women's editor, Christina Appleyard, had the nerve to call me geriatric and declared that I was old enough to know better, even if Mandy wasn't. The nerve! The nerve! The gall of that woman! 
Geriatric? Me? You think I should know better? Lady, I don't know anything. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, right? How dare you suggest I know better? I'm an idiot. <laughs> Look at the choices I'm making. <laughs> if I knew better, I wouldn't be doing it, would I? Case dismissed. <laughs> Little bit of egg on your face, Christina Appleyard. <laughs> oh. So despite Bill's utter disbelief that anyone in their right mind could have a problem with the hottest love story in years. I don't know where he got that. <laughs> that is a personal uh, opinion. Also, Bill. I'm sorry. It was 1990. That was the hottest love story in years. It had to be a hotter one than that. I in guarantee that 80s were all just about like crazy, unprotected sex. Insane. There's lots of hot love stories in the 80s. The hottest love story in 1990 for years was an old man marrying a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Come if on. that's true, then I'm very upset about the state of romance <laughs> in the 80s and 90s. For real. Well, anyway, the wedding went off great. I'm sure we're all very happy about that. Mandy wore a satin gown of white with touches of peppermint green and pink. How charming. Mm -hmm. And Bill wore a pearl gray suit designed by Tommy Nutter, who was Mick Jagger's main designer. And was probably like, you're also a Nutter, so you should wear a Nutter on your wedding day. Mandy, you're going to be marrying a real Nutter. <laughs> Music, vows, witnesses, the whole nine yards. Bill and Mandy were united in holy matrimony. Great, say, great, great. 500 guests were in attendance, including all of the Rolling Stones and Eric Clapton, who gifted him a set of satin pajamas and said, at your age, you should never get into bed naked. <laughs> oh, we're all having a good laugh. <laughs> your wife should be in college. <laughs> <laughs> Not even yet, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So how well would this hot love story work out? <laughs> and also, we've heard a lot about what Bill thinks about all this and Bill's perception of this whole thing. But what about Mandy? Mm. What is Mandy thinking and feeling about all this? Let's hear more about that right after these fine words. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. 
It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to this disaster. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) So at the time of their wedding, Mandy was suffering from severe health issues. And when Bill left for the American tour with the Stones, and he was gone for about five and a half months, Mandy started losing weight rapidly. And within a few months, she only weighed 80 pounds. Oh, no. She later blamed her health issues on birth control pills, which she had started when she was 14 years old when she started sleeping with Bill. Now, when Bill came home from the tour, of course, he saw, you know, how much weight she'd lost, how unhealthy she was, how much she was struggling. And, you know, he must have been shocked by this. After all, he had brought this girl into a highly controversial life. He put his own reputation and his own safety really on the line because of how strongly he felt about her. He was it, it was he was besotted, right? right? It was undeniable for him. This was someone that he was willing to do anything for, right? And if yeah. they survived the whole world being against them, then they could survive anything, right? Yeah. Nope. 
What? Entertainment Weekly writes that Bill, quote, reportedly grew impatient with her health problems and their 23-month marriage ended in a 45-second divorce. Are you fucking kidding me? He said, bye, never mind, this is any bit of a challenge at all, I'm out. What a musty motherfucker. Unbelievable. I cannot believe that. Oh my God. I should say too, he, his biography came out uh, between their wedding and their divorce. So the last thing he writes about Mandy in the book is, I just got back from the American tour and my wife has all these health problems and the press is all saying that this is causing strife in our marriage, but they're being ridiculous. And then he never mentions Mandy again and the book came out and they got divorced after that. I'm just going to immediately divorce her for exactly that reason. No (laughs) big deal, media. Wow, you make such a meal out of everything. (laughs) In the divorce, Mandy, who seemingly came to her senses, maybe by this incredibly callous move by Bill, sought $7.5 million out of the divorce. But in the end, she was awarded $870,000. Which, I don't know, in 1992, what would that be? That is, checking it here, Uh, 870,000 is... Oh, $1.7 million today. I mean, it's not bad. That's pretty good. She deserved more. She deserved way more. Well, because you know he had way more. Well, that's why she asked for so much. Yeah, exactly. I know you're good for it. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mandy's health problems persisted. It made it too difficult for her to continue her career in music. But she was able to put her experiences to work and decided to make a difference in the world. There you go. And she and her sister opened their own PR company in Manchester. In 2005, she decided to turn back to her Catholic roots and find herself in religion. And in 2010, she put herself in the public eye again by calling for the age of consent in the UK to be raised from 16 to 18 years old. There you go. Now, okay, so a BBC program in 2010 did a public survey by text, and they asked, should the age of consent be lowered from 16 to 13? And while 84% of respondents said, absolutely not. That sounds mad. That's crazy. (laughs) 16% said yes. Oh, my God. Now, the argument in favor, and I'll be the first to tell you I'm not an expert in age of consent laws in the UK, Mm -hmm. but the argument in favor of lowering it was that official figures suggested that as many as one third of children aged 14 to 15 were sexually active. And the current legal limit prevented them from being able to get support in issues like STDs and contraception. Currently, if any individual has sex with someone under 16 in the UK, they may be charged with a criminal offense. And if they're an adult, that can mean up to a 14-year prison sentence. Mm -hmm. And if they're a minor, they could still face five years. So the issue is that if two minors have sex, they're not going to go tell anyone because they could go to jail. I so see. I'm like, there's so they're like, we be... should lower the age of consent so that they'll feel comfortable coming it, to us know, for condoms. Getting help, right. Figuring out what that weird itch is. But I'm like, can you not do both? Can you not say the age of consent is 18? And also, if you're under 18 and you're having sex, please come get help. We will help you. We will not throw you in jail. Right. That's outrageous. It just seems like those things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Why can't you just write a line? Le- lawyers right. like to write lines. <laughs> they write love writing lines. Line that's Detail like, your Yo, law. By the way, if you're a minor, you're having sex, you need help with pregnancy or STD yeah. issues, you won't go to jail if you ask for help. Right. There's a difference between saying, if two 14-year-olds are having sex, it's we're not going to put them in jail, 
And if a 52-year-old has sex with a 14-year-old, we will put him in jail. Like, that's a very easy distinction to make in your laws. 100%. Come on. And I'll say, I, I, I mean, I have not studied the American age of consent laws. Haven't needed to, um, but uh, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, if you that it knew works too much, here. it'd be like really weird. <laughs> right? I felt weird. I was in the coffee shop, and like I had <laughs> three windows consent. open about age of consent in the UK. Oh no! And I was like, I hope no one's looking over my okay, shoulder this is, this now. Is some, at least I was doing the people and animals one here at home, <laughs> right. nice and safe. No one can judge me. My tabs. So yeah, Mandy fought very hard to change the age of consent mm-hmm. in the UK. But like we said, there's been no change. The age is still 16. And she said it's tough to put an age on it, but, quote, it's not about being physically mature. It's emotional maturity that matters. Mm. I don't think most 16-year-olds are ready. It should be raised to 18 at a minimum, and some girls aren't ready even then. I know people will find that odd coming from me, but I do think I know what I'm talking about here. You can never get that part of your childhood back. I never could. Yeah. That, that like breaks my heart honestly right. that quote really makes me sad because yeah. clearly she was like kind of a wild child obviously encouraged yeah. by her mother to just do the work be the worst teenager that you can yeah. be and then as yeah as an older person was like man you know i wish i could do that over again yep. and enjoy that youth because youth is very short in comparison yeah. to adulthood yeah so yeah that's very sad and i think there's an argument like people try to make the argument I don't know how many people, but people say like, well, uh, some cultures or, you know, a long time ago, people Mm -hmm. used to have sex at younger ages and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? They didn't live in this world. Right. And quite frankly, that does make a difference now. Yeah. So even if like in the Stone Age, people were having sex when they were very, very young, they didn't have to worry about the sexualization of everything that Mm kind of comes with that in this world that we've built. Yeah. And I think that plays a big part in saying, you know, yeah, I know biologically, sure, you're ready, but mentally you're not because looked at every, look at everything that comes with it. It's not just about the act. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mandy still suffers from health issues, including what she believes to be chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm. She has a small, gaunt frame and says some people assume that she suffered from anorexia because of her appearance, but says that was never a problem for her. She had a son when she was 31, but never married again. She said, quote, God is the only man in my life now. And she works with teenagers in her community to help them find a better life than she did. Her advice is, quote, everything, clothes, films, talk is so sexualized. The girls are under pressures to be a certain way. I tell them being with a man isn't all it's cracked up to be. Get a career, then you'll have self-respect. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to argue with uh, it not being all it's cracked up to be. But I don't know. That just makes me sad. It's not only like clearly a psychological impact that right. was made, but also a physical health impact yeah. from if she's right about this birth control thing. Uh-huh. And just psychological health can permeate into your That's physical health. Very too. true, too. Yeah, yeah, that can definitely affect your physical health. It's just that just had huge repercussions for yeah. her. And I know she made her choices, but she was really too young to be making this choice. And that's what's frustrating is that it's like, sure, you can say that all day about somebody. They they live there. They did their shit. And now they got to yep. they what is it? They made their bed. Now they're going to yeah. lie in it or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, she had adults in her life who yeah. should have known better and who should have been like, no, girl, what are you doing? Right. 
she says as much, you know, she, she says, I, I made choices and I, I, you know, I take responsibility for my actions, but also I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And right. other people did know what I was doing and knew what they were doing and let it happen. Yeah. Nobody likes encouraged that. Encouraged it. Yeah. Nobody likes that. If you got entrapped into a crime, right. you would feel taken advantage of. Right. And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. And also it's sad. I mean, like I, we joke and I. I like where she's coming from in terms of like, get your priorities straight mm-hmm. and don't try and base everything around, you know, being a sexual object and this kind of thing. Sure. But also, this is someone who can't have a happy relationship with a man. She has, you know, discovered within herself that she can't do that now. Yeah. And not only that, but she's, I, I, again, I don't, I'm not saying that she's wrong in doing what she's doing, but she is telling people like, you need to be very cautious. Mm-hmm. And I think hearing that might preemptively color people's opinions of relationships, you know, mm-hmm. and it, to some degree that's necessary because you want people to be cautious and not make stupid decisions like this. Um, but also, you know, I, I just feel bad for her that she's like, I, it, that's not going to happen for me. Yeah, that's that was all bad. There's no man for me, but God now. And I am totally fine with the rest of my life. Yeah. She said she considered marrying just so her son would have a father. But she was like, I couldn't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I just could not find happiness in that. Her sister also, I'll throw out there, her sister dated a footballer mm-hmm. and they also had a big publicized media relationship. She also had a miserable time with that. That ended badly. Um, so the two of them were just Patsy, like, man, girl, oh, your Patsy. daughters oh, deserved Patsy. better. That's all I'll say. Yep. I don't know what's wrong with Patsy. Maybe she had a whole bunch of weird shit going on in, her, in herself. Yeah. But meanwhile... Bill never faced any legal repercussions for his part in her life and the damage he caused. Oh, what? What? That's so unusual. <laughs> he left the Rolling Stones in 93, the same year that he got married again, this time to an actress named Suzanne Acosta. She was 23 and he was 56. So a 33-year age gap. Hey, that's actually one year closer in age to him than Mandy was. So, hey, maybe Bill learned a little bit of a lesson. Practically a senior citizen. (laughs) Bill. Okay. But y'all, that is not the weirdest part of this story. Had to save the best for last here because get this. Follow along here. We've talked about Patsy. Yep. Mandy's crazy mother who encouraged this whole thing and said, Bill chose you. Well, you remember Bill's son, Stephen, from his first marriage with Diane Corey? Well, also in 1993, just two years after Bill and Mandy's divorce, Patsy and Stephen got married. Bill's own ex-mother-in-law married his son from his previous marriage. Okay. So try to follow the logic here. Mandy's former stepson is now her stepfather. Bill's former mother-in-law is now his daughter-in-law, which means Mm -hmm. if you stretch the definitions just a tiny bit, Bill is his own son's son-in-law, which means Bill is his own grandfather. (laughs) You've got like a whole conspiracy board it's of great. like a family tree and with all the the the, it's just the yarn circle. going around yeah, in, in a circle. circle. <laughs> I, because it's not just that. His ex-wife is now his granddaughter-in-law. His son is his stepdad. 
Right. It's outrageous. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. His house is a car. His food is a shoe. His face is a horn. (laughs) It's nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing makes sense. The universe is collapsing on itself. These people are insane. Oh, my God. I'd, uh, I mean, so look. how'd you meet? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And Patsy's like, really fun story. So sit down, love. I want to tell you all about it. <laughs> Five minutes later, everyone's jaws are just on the floor and it's you dead silence. You did what? <laughs> oh, my God. Now, I don't know if Mandy and her mom have any kind of relationship. She didn't really get into that in the brief interview I found with her from 2010. She did say that if her father had been around and he was just kind of a deadbeat, couldn't support the family in and out all the time. So she didn't spend a lot of time with him growing up, but they did reconnect later. And she said that if he'd been around when she was younger, Bill probably never would have even approached her. Mm -hmm. He certainly wouldn't have successfully dated her. Yeah. You know, he thought he no could get him with the mom. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, there's no dad around, so I'll get him with the mom. I'll talk about how she'll be safe and secure oh, yeah. with me. I oh, can yeah. take care of all. Her future is set. Well, and I'm, I'm going to go into speculation station here about Patsy a little bit. Okay. Uh, make some make some judgments without really knowing yes, her. Wild accusations. Throw them. That's what I'm here for. Um <laughs> She's got two young girls that she, at a young age, is encouraging to get into modeling and Mm. rock and roll and fame in whatever sense. And then this guy comes along, this rock star, who wants to date her daughter. And she's like, yeah, do it. And then when that doesn't work out, she goes and marries his son. Like, she's just looking for money and fame here. Yeah, I think you're right. That's her whole thing. She was going to use her daughters to get it, whatever it took. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did not care about the consequences for them, clearly. And then when her daughter was discarded, she just went and was like, I'll do it myself. She probably would have been like um, Mrs. Nesbitt, Evelyn Nesbitt's Uh mom, who was basically just like, well, sure, I guess you can pose for all these dudes and and go out with these older men and they're going to take care of you. Right. But like Patsy might be worse. Uh, Patsy sounds worse She might be worse. She's like straight up pimping out her daughter to an old, old man. Yes. And I don't mean old, old man, as in like 52 makes you an old, old man. But compared to a 13-year-old, it does. you may as well be 80. <laughs> yeah. For I mean, a 13-year-old, I'm an old, old man. And I'm 37. Right. Come that's on. true. If a 13-year-old came on to you, you would be disgusted. If a 13-year-old came on to me, I would go scrub my eyeballs out with soap, <laughs> run away and hide, and take one of Jeff Bezos' rockets to the moon and never come back. I know. I'm like, ugh. Whoop. Uh, I was not talking to oh, you. I'm oh, sorry. Oh. Never, nothing ever happened here. I have to go tie my shoes. Goodbye. <laughs> and I would I run through Jesus. the... I would, I would run. There'd be an Eli-shaped hole in the wall <laughs> and a cloud That's of smoke. That's all I've been waiting for is that <laughs> that Roger Rabbit That's all window. I want in my life is to is to run through a wall so fast One that there's time. just a hole shaped like me and in it. And they see all your fingers oh, yeah. and everything. Th- everything. It's Full outline. The dream. Ugh, the dream. <laughs> In 2019, Bill produced a film about his own life. So, of course, very unbiased. An honest look. A a very (laughs) honest look. He does address the controversy surrounding his marriage to Mandy. Okay, okay. He even acknowledges that he made a huge mistake and that things should have been different. Now, you might be thinking, 
Surely he said the mistake was ever approaching a 13-year-old girl and persuading her into a sexual relationship with him. And of course you would think that. You're not a crazy person. (laughs) But no, you're wrong, I'm afraid. No, no. Bill says that his mistake was, quote, I was really stupid to think marrying her could possibly work. She was too young. She had to go out and see life for a bit. Bill! (sighs) Um, are you serious? Yeah, the problem was that. Yeah. We shouldn't have been married. She was really too young to be married. She should have gone out there. She needed to get out in the world more. It was really because of her that it was a problem. I was perfect and fine. (laughs) But she had all those annoying health problems. (laughs) Right. And I just felt that I deserved a healthy young wife of my very own. You see, Your Honor, I just wanted to, (laughs) and then I didn't. Well, Hardly wow. fault you for that, young man. Wow. <laughs> what restraint. <laughs> Truly. Just an honor-worthy gentleman. <laughs> an inspiration to We could all learn a thing or two from Bill here. <laughs> what not to do. So, oh yeah, anyway, God. he's happily married now with three daughters. Yay! Everything oh. worked out perfectly for everyone. <laughs> hey, the Yay. world is a wonderful place. I Bill hate wins. it here. Let's set everything on fire! <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is a very frustrating story. Oh, God. Um, I'm glad we can kind of laugh at it, and I'm also not glad that it's there to laugh at because it's not funny. No. Um, it's a nightmare. Um, it's really. only funny in its absurdity and how dense Bill is. If I, I definitely found his autobiography, which again came out in like 1990, and um, just skimmed some of the parts with Mandy. I was like, I'm... I got it for free. I'm not I'm not, not giving him any more of my time. I'm certainly not right. paying for it. And uh, just scanning it, I'm like, he is so oblivious. He constantly is saying, I don't understand what everyone else's problem was. They were being so mean to us. And then even now, still, this doc this this self-made documentary came out in 2019. And he also P.S. in that documentary never mentions the actual numbers of her age, Uh just says that she was too young for him, as if like she was 35 and he was 50 or something. And it's outrageous. He's just totally skates past it, barely mentions it. And when people ask him about it today, he just gets kind of somber and is like, well, it was it didn't work out. I had two sad marriages and then I got married and I'm happy now. That's pretty much how he puts it. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's astonishing to me that the Me Too movement skipped over rock and roll completely. Right. We talked about this while it was happening. Yeah. Because like we did. actors were getting hit hard and I was like, sure. there's no and way. Comedians as they should. Yeah, absolutely. And producers, yes. I was like, where's the rock and roll shit? There's a bunch of this shit going Christ. down. Hello. And I'm like, maybe it's because these moms were like so into it I that mean... it's like really hard to fault the men I mean even though right. I do fault the men yeah. but it's also like the moms were like fully I mean like that well, I don't remember her name right now but that one groupie who was like in every she was like a rock and roll groupie and they all wrote right. songs about her and oh yeah 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 yeah, like yeah. the inspiration for that almost famous character uh-huh. or whatever anyway I feel like her mom was like real into that like her yeah. mom was like yeah go on out get right. get you a rock star right. like let's do this right 
So maybe that's why, you know, it just didn't become a focus or something. But it's insane because there's so many like Jerry Lee Lewis married a 13 year old girl. Yep. Elvis liked young women like David Bowie. Oh, I mean, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough one, too. To to I love him. But like, it's still true. Yeah. It's insane that a lot of these guys did just get away with. And it not, it's not just statutory issues. You know, right. there's no way that with all the sex, drugs and rock and roll that there weren't people having sex against their will or mm-hmm. on drugs and didn't know what they were doing and right. stuff. And just I kind of always waited for that to come out more in the rock and roll industry. Not yeah. like fingers crossed, hope it happens. But you know no, what I mean? Like no, just yeah. kind of expecting it after it blew up in Hollywood so much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's such a weird little segment of the world. I, I, I wish I could explain this better, but I was thinking about this when I found out that in the Guns and in Guns and Roses, uh-huh. Axl Rose like fucked one of his other bandmates' girlfriends and oh, yeah, recorded yeah. her orgasm and then put it in right. I do remember hearing a track. About this. Yeah, and so she's on this track. Uh huh. She didn't know she was being recorded. Yeah, and she's on a track that I doubt she's got any money for doubt, that. Doubt it. But it's like if you complained about it, people would be like, oh, sucks to be you. You're on a Guns N' Roses song. Like, what? Yeah. Legendary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would just be one of those things. You'd be like, well, that happened and I just need to find the good side of it and be happy about it or something. Yeah. Even Mandy being like, I know I made my choices. It feels like a, a coping mechanism right. to be able to say I ha- that was my choice. Like, that makes me feel better that I can say I had any control over that. I had some that. control, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And I... I'm saying this as a person who I knew I was a 13 year old girl. I knew 13 yeah. year old girls who yeah. definitely threw themselves at older men yeah. and they tried very hard to get them to sleep with them like yeah. or, or heavy petting or whatever. Right. They just wanted to feel like it made them feel good that some older guy would be interested in yeah. them. Yeah. And I'm like looking back on it, of course, at the when I was 13, did not think of this. But as a grown up, I'm like, now I'm worried about that 13 year old girl right. that I knew because right. I'm like, as aggressive as she was, it's a little bit odd that she was so wanting that approval so badly. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, it's just I know girls, some girls that are like that and they do do that. And I understand that that can be tough if they're very attractive and they look older than whatever. It's still your job as the adult to know yeah. when you're a child. You exactly. don't know what this is going to do to you. I need to move your hand away from the fire. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my responsibility as a grown person in right. this world. And you don't lose anything by saying no. You lose mm-hmm. what? Not sleeping with a child? Boo-hoo. Sorry. Move Let on. Let me get out my violin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't Play find the it anywhere. Song. I, mis- I misplaced it. Because <laughs> it's so little. Well... It's a truly outrageous story about a truly <laughs> outrageous man. Outrageous man. Yeah. That's a good I don't know point. what else to say. He outraged me. <laughs> I have outraged because of this. <laughs> I don't know about you. Oh man. It, and oh, what you know, and I hate these I hate this thing where I'm not an immediate I'm not someone who immediately can't listen to someone's music anymore when I find out they suck. Uh-huh. But it does it puts a it sourness a to bit. it. Yeah. You know, I can never not think about it yeah. when I hear Michael Jackson now. Like, I, I can never not think about it. And I'm not going to have a hard time every time I listen to the Rolling Stones. Like, oh, God damn it. Was Bill there? Yeah. He was yeah. probably there. Playing the bass right now. What an asshole. I mean, in the first part of this episode, I was like, well, I'm going to check out Monkey Grip. But right? not anymore. Right. I don't want to hear your damn <laughs> unpretentious solo album, you bitch. <laughs> 
stop. I, oh, I'm so mad at you if you're an artist I love and then you do something shitty. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at you for doing the shitty thing. And I'm also really mad at you for ruining this for me. Yeah. Like, I liked your thing. You were cool, man. You were a really funny guy uh-huh. and I liked to quote your jokes. Yep. And now I'm mad at you right. for taking that away from me. Yeah. And for locking women into a room. Obviously, them that's the thing I'm. That's the main thing you're mad about. Mad about first, <laughs> and then I'm mad about. You're like, you're like, let's make that sexual assault about me. <laughs> Secondarily, I'm mad about the thing that affects me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the impact it had on my life. It still matters. Valid. Right. Totally valid. Yeah. <laughs> well. I hope this didn't make it too mad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hope it made you mad in the right way. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Don't write to us if you want to be like, listen, guys, and a whole thing about how the age of consent is too high look, or some shit. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> look, there's, there's obviously there's nuance in these laws and they need to be examined in a lot of places probably. But um, but I don't think the answer is free for all on teenagers. You <laughs> I know? really don't. Not okay. <laughs> All right. Like a bad answer. Well, definitely let us know what you thought. Yes. And of course, don't forget this coming week to listen for us on Ridiculous History yeah. with Ben and Noel. Talk about the history of Valentine's Day. We're so excited for this. Yeah. And then, of course, get ready for Ridiculous Crime on the 15th. Yes. I'm losing my mind. I can't wait to hear what they do. It's going to be so cool. The family's These guys growing. Are great. The family's It growing. is. Our whole Ridiculous fam. Um, so let us know what you thought of this episode. Give us any ideas for future episodes if you got them. Yeah. Or just reach out and say, hey, we should, love should. hearing from you. Yeah. Um, so our email address, of course, is romance at iheartmedia.com. Right. Or slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at Oh Great, It's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. We will catch you all the next episode. Don't forget to find us next week on Ridiculous History, and we'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. 
I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.